Have you ever, have you ever read The Lord of the Rings or seen the movie or been to Weta Cave? Yeah. So, uh, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien created this, created this world called Middle Earth that's filled with elves and dwarfs and uh, wizards and, and giants. And, and in these stories, you have these really unlikely heroes, uh, Bilbo who's uh, over there with an amazing red blazer on, and, and, and Frodo, um, Frodo's in Lord, you know, Lord of the Rings. And, uh, and, and they're really not who you'd expect to be the heroes. They're, they're small. They have hairy feet. And, and they, like, they really just like to keep to themselves in the Shire, you know. Uh, this, this place where they live, they live, uh, live there sheltered from everything else that's going on in, in Middle, Middle Earth. And it's a really awesome, it's an awesome series of books or movies, and it's got these two guys as two hobbits as, as these unlikely heroes, and, um, and and I think it's I, I love it, eh? So recently we've been we've been leaning into the book book of Acts, and right at the very beginning of Acts there are these four words which says in my first book, and and I've said this before, but it turns out that Acts is, is the sequel. It's the second. It's the second book of a um, hands up if you know what a two book series is called. A duology. That's right. A duology. A trilogy. A trilogy is three. Yeah, I know. A biology. That's very good, actually. Here you go. Yeah. No. Do you want one as well? Okay. Here we go. What was your one? This is quite good. We're about to do it. Okay, okay. <laughs> let's do a biopsy. This is quite good material going on. Um, anyways, anyway, so it's the it's the second book, and uh, and the first book in the series is, is Luke, uh, written by a fellow called Luke. And and so today I'm I'm kicking off a series where we're going to uh, like like journey through journey through Luke. The book of Luke, meander through Luke, and and in this um, together we'll, we'll be learning about Jesus, learning about um, what he says and, wh- and what he does, who he is. Uh, sort of, kind of got um, as a overall theme about like walking the walk, you know, like like Jesus, Jesus walked the walk, and and we want to walk the walk, like uh, you know, following him uh, in in the same way. Luke is the writer. I get you get that from the title, eh, Luke. Luke is the writer, and, and he's the only non-Jewish writer in the New Testament. He's, he's a doctor, uh, a proper doctor, not like me. He's actually one that can, can do useful things. He's a physician, so you, you read about that in Colossians 4.14. And he seems to be really well-educated uh, in Greek. He, he writes amazing Greek, apparently. I don't speak Greek, but if you do, then uh, you'll be impressed. And he, and he seems to be really determined to put together an accurate history of, of Jesus based on research. So he, he, has, he, he, he does research, he interviews people, he has these eyewitness accounts. Uh, he wants to find out what the, truth, the truth of what Jesus said, the truth of what Jesus did, who Jesus is, and uh, what Jesus, who Jesus was, and who, who Jesus still is. He's a historian, and he's a brilliant author, like J.R.R. Tolkien, although that's not history. I don't think. Maybe it is. Yeah. <laughs> He's a historian, and he, and he writes about Jesus, and he writes about the people that come around Jesus, and, and you look at these stories, and like so many of these people that come around Jesus are actually these really unlikely, unlikely people, surprising people like, like Bilbo and, and Frodo. And so, and so this is what um, Luke says right, right at the start. Oh, thanks to Susan for sorting out the CVTV and Matt, like tech crew, and Josh doing the sound. I, 
you're amazing. I know every week there seems to be like different technical challenges and like this, yeah, so thank you for that. Really appreciate it. This is what Luke says right at the start. This is uh, reading from Luke um, 1, 1 to 4. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I have also decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Luke, so Luke's purpose for writing, he, he, he tells us what his purpose is uh, for writing these accurate accounts is so that we can be certain of the truth, the truth about Jesus. So, so if, you, if you're a believer, then reading Luke and Acts, the duology, reading these books and, and thinking about them will, will encourage you. They will build up your faith. They will, they will anchor you in who Jesus is, what he said, how he lived, and how we can live accordingly, you know, walk in the walk. For the person that is, uh, you know, not quite there yet, you're still you're still searching and trying to discover uh, about who who this Jesus person is. Then reading again, reading these books, Luke and Acts, you'll discover what the Bible says about Jesus. You'll discover how he interacted with people, the the kind of people that he that he that he that he drew in, what he said and what he promised, and and you might just find as you read these books, what you're looking for. Eugene Peterson. Uh, in his introduction, so Eugene Peterson is the guy that put together the message translation of the Bible. And in his introduction to the book of Luke, he writes, uh, he writes that Luke shows how Jesus includes those who typically were treated as outsiders by the religious establishment of the day. Women, common laborers, sheep herders, the racially different, the Samaritans, and, and the poor. And so when you read these stories... You see that everybody is invited into the story to come and follow Jesus. So uh, you, have, you have the book of Luke, which is the first part. You have the book of Acts, which is the second part, the geology. But it's actually a trilogy. It's actually a trilogy because, because we get a part to play, play in this story. You know, Luke is all about Jesus, ministry on earth. Acts is all about the, the first believers uh, uh, for about 30 years after, after Jesus. Uh, and then the third book is about us. We have a part to play in God's great story. And so we get to read part one. We get to read, get to read part two by this amazing writer. And, and then we get to live in a way that, that's sort of in, in like rhythm with the stories that have happened before or, or rhyme with the stories that have happened before, you know, living in line with what's happened before. And so you might think that you don't really fit the story, you know. Yeah, yes, you might have hairy feet. You might think that you don't fit the story. But, but today I want to have a look at some of the people that God chose, uh, that God includes, and, and you'll be surprised. So the first couple of chapters in Luke, chapter 1, chapters 1 and 2, they trace these two, these two parallel stories. Uh, one is the birth of John the Baptist, and the other is, is the birth of his second cousin, Jesus Christ, a.k.a. the King of Kings. The Messiah, the Son of God, the expected anointed one who had come from God to bring salvation. So you have these two parallel stories, right? Right from the start, the cast uh, is filled with people who you wouldn't expect. Uh, you've got people like John the Baptist's parents, the elderly couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. 
They're old folks. They've been uh, unable to have kids. That included. You've got people like Mary, Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. When, when she first is introduced, um, you know, she's, um, she's this person that is, is unmarried. She's, she's betrothed to be married, but she's not yet married. She's, she, uh, she's a virgin, um, and yet she becomes pregnant with Jesus. She's probably a teenager. You have people like, like the shepherds, who are some of the first to recognize who this baby is, Jesus. They're the first to recognize that he's actually the savior of the world, that he's the Messiah. He's all these unexpected people. So a thousand years earlier, uh, the prophet Samuel is, is hunting around looking for who's going to be the future king of Israel. And he comes across somebody who he thinks fits the bill. They look the part, right? I don't know what that would have been like. Maybe they were, um, you know, someone like me. You're muscular, <laughs> you know? Good hunting skills. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> not like me. Uh, I'm not either of those things. Anyway, he, he looks like he's going to be the perfect king. And he goes, surely this is the one. And God says, no, that's not the one who I've chosen. And the Lord says, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's First uh, Samuel 16.7. Not that one. Not on the screen. The Lord looks. The Lord looks at the heart. And so when we read about a couple like Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we're, we're kind of, we've become quite familiar with that story because we've read it over and over again at Christmas. But it's absolutely shocking because you've got this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we'd rule them out. We'd go, no, they are too old. And they can't have kids. Right? There's nothing for them in the story. But God looks at their heart, and he sees the way they live. He, he sees their faithful obedience. And the, and the Holy Spirit does something amazing, does something incredible. They're able to conceive in their old age, and they're happy about this, which I think is also a miracle. <laughs> uh, anyway... <laughs> They're able to conceive uh, and give birth to a baby who lives, and his name is, name is John, and later becomes John the Baptist. As Zechariah then prophesies over John when he is born, and he, and he speaks out, he declares about who this baby John will be, that, 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 uh, that John's going to be a prophet, that he's going to prepare the way for the Lord. And he also, old, old Zechariah, he also prophesies about Jesus, and he, and he, says, he says this, Oh, so I'm, I'm just reading that second, the second part of it. Because of God's tender mercy, this is Luke 1, uh, 76 to 79. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. And, and this little baby that he's holding... It's such a, I don't know, if you imagine it, it's such a beautiful picture. Like he says, and you, my little son, and you, my little son, you're going to be the one who prepares the way for this light that's going to come. And this baby, John, he becomes the forerunner to Jesus. He, he, his calling and his destiny was to prepare the way for Jesus, pointing to Jesus as, as the way for salvation, the way to salvation. So in Zechariah and in Elizabeth, they're key players in what Jesus is doing, what, what God was doing. They're key players. Like, this is the turning point of all history, <laughs> and there they are. 
Outwardly, they didn't look the part, but God looks at the heart. You know, we, we live in a, in, a, in a challenging culture for lots of different reasons. But one of the, one of the reasons is there's so much emphasis placed on, uh, on appearance, about looking, about looking the part. Uh, you know, social media is, uh, is, is a lot of fun and can be useful. Um, you think of like Instagram and Facebook, like these things can be, can be great, but you have to be so careful because, uh, because we all know that people, that we, that people only post on these, on these platforms what they want other people to see. And yet, and yet we, we kind of know that and we see posts and yet we can easily kind of get, get sucked in into making, uh, you know, almost like writing our own story about what's kind of going on. You know, someone posts an amazing picture of, I don't know what it is like, an incredible dinner that, they, that they're eating. And so then we go, oh, my goodness, if, I, if only I could be an amazing cook like them to make this amazing dinner. Or I really want to eat that thing that is, you know, there. Or, you know, there's a whole profession. Um, I think it's really quite funny, actually, about you could be a social media influencer if you, if you feel that's your calling. Uh, anyway, so, but you have to be so careful because we know that people only post what they want other people to see. And it's easy to get sucked in. We, we, we look at what someone posts, and then we can be imagining what their life might, must be like. And I find, like for me, to be like, you know, open and honest, which is always a good thing to do, right, is uh, for me, my two biggest, biggest risks are feeling uh, envious or, or jealous, or, jealous or, or feeling insecure or proud. <laughs> These things are all kind of linked together, all kind of linked together. Uh, you might have heard of imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know this feeling a lot where you feel unqualified or or you feel actually incompetent for for what you're there to do, and I'm there, I'm there most days, <laughs> most weeks, you know. I'm not saying this so you feel sorry for me, please. I, I just felt, yeah, this is what God wants me to. Uh, I felt I don't want to talk about this at all, but I kind of just felt it was nudging. So uh, you know, often I have moments or days where where I feel that I just don't have what it takes to what I feel. You know, I don't feel what I have what it takes to do what I'm, I'm called to do, you know, to, um, to be a pastor in, in, of this church at the moment, you know, to, um, to be in this role, serving God's church. So it might be feeling like that one day. It's often like a, a Wednesday or Thursday, sort of in the midweek, midweek slump, hey? And then, and, then, and then I go, okay, I'll, you know, um, kill my brain by scrolling Facebook or something. And, like, and I'll see a post, and it'll be like, from a church or from a pastor, and they're killing it. Like that's bad language, right? They're not kill, they're not killing anybody. No, they're, they're doing something. They're doing a good job. Is what I mean. You know? Everything is awesome. You know, they're doing a great job. They're just all over it. And so I have these feelings com- collide. Like one one moment, my my uh, what's the what you know my imposter syndrome <laughs> is kind of there. And then I see somebody else, and they're doing really well. I'm like, oh my goodness, like. Uh, you know, I'm feeling envious of what they've got going on. I'm feeling insecure, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, that's time to throw on the towel. You know, someone else can do it. And, like, I'm not telling you uh, this um, to feel sorry for me. I'm not telling you this to even say nice things to me because this is not, this is not a good thing. <laughs> this is a weakness. I've got to deal with this, right? And I think that's why um, one of the things God's helping me with. But kind of recognizing that, like seeing outward appearances and, and making assumptions and judgments about what I what I can see, what we can see about other people's lives, and and then and we might we might judge what we can see, we might judge other people, but but often we also judge ourselves by some kind of out, outward standard, like what you know, what kind of things we've achieved, 
What kind of things we're good at? What kind of skills we've got? Hunting skills. Whatever it is. But over and over, when you, when you look at the Scriptures, this is over and over and over again, we see how God works, and we see the kinds of people He works with, and it's often surprising. Mark 10, 27, Jesus says, everything is, is possible with God. Everything is possible. So He always like, takes these people. Like, he concludes these people, and it's like, why them? <laughs> so Jesus... Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem, and uh, when, he was, when he was 33 days old, uh, Mary and Joseph took him, took him to Jerusalem. So they took him from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord at the temple. This was a, a requirement of, of the law. And they made the required sacrifice, and it's the, actually the sacrifice that they made was, was for people that couldn't afford a lamb. The sacrifice they made was two, de- two de- dirtle tubs. <laughs> Turtle doves. I'm always doing that. It's funny. I used to do it as a as a joke when I was a teenager, and now it kind of gets yeah. well flicking the letters around. Anyway, here I am. God's got me preaching. Whatever. So two turtle doves, or or two pangyijins. I mean, young pigeons, as says in Luke two twenty four. So so they're poor. They can't afford a lamb. God's called them to be the parents of the Lamb of God. Amazing, anyway, but, but quite, you know, surprising. Um, and then there's, then there's these two uh, amazing moments that happen in the temple, again, involving two surprising people. And these, these ones, their names are Simeon and Anna. And we can read about, let's read it, uh, Luke 2, 25. That's a big passage, and I'll be standing in front of the words for some of you, but you can just listen to my dulcet tones. Luke 2.25, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly awaiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. So the Holy Spirit had shown Simeon that he would see the Lord's Messiah, Jesus, before he died. You kind of get the sense when you look at it, it's like, oh, now I can die in peace. (laughs) But I also wonder, how cool would that be? Like, you actually know, I I can't die until this happens. You're sort of invincible, aren't you? Anyway, before he died. And then the Holy Spirit leads him to the temple right at that moment that Mary and Joseph are presenting Jesus to the Lord in the temple. And then he prophesies about who Jesus is and and what he will do. He he says this. He carries on. He says this. This child is destined to to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword sword will pierce your very soul. And he's saying this to, to Mary and Joseph. A sword will pierce your very soul. So Jesus is only 30, 
three days old. And, and this old guy, Simeon, is, is speaking about who Jesus is and what he's going to be doing in thir- when, when Jesus is 33 years old. And when you read through the Gospels, you go, oh, my goodness, this is, this is so accurate. What he's saying is so accurate. And then, the, and then there's another incredible moment that happens in the, in the temple and it involves Anna, who, um, who, according to the old King James translation, was of great age, <laughs> which is a nice way of putting it, eh? She's of great age. And so reading again from uh, Luke 36, Luke 2, 36, says this, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. It's sort of quite helpful to picture the scene a little bit because this is all taking place in the temple in Jerusalem. Yeah, this is a place filled with priests and people who, who, when you think about it, we'd expect them to be the ones that would recognize Jesus. They're all, you know, they're, they're the ones that we go, oh, okay, God is here. <laughs> the Son of God is here when he shows up, you know. But instead, it's these, it's these two people, Simeon and elderly, these two elderly people who recognize him. Who, who prophesy over him, who bless him. And it's as though they, they are actually functioning in the place of priests and prophets. They're like Samuel in the Old Testament. So when, you know, when, the, when Samuel, um, when the Lord showed him who was going to be the future king. And as Samuel showed him that David, Samuel, uh, the Lord showed Samuel that David would be the future king of Israel. In the same way, the Lord shows Simeon and Anna that Jesus is the King of Kings, the one they've been waiting for. I really love this. I read it, and and uh, I have a Bible called the Spiritual Formation Bible, and these are the these are the notes just from its passage. It says, "Simeon and Anna are the senior citizens of Jesus' birth, and they know and understand more than anyone else of all the people that Jerusalem's streets were teeming with that day, the day that Jesus was named. The rich, the powerful, the young, the holy." Only Simeon and Anna are given insight into what is being carried into the temple courts in his parents' arms. In fact, they know more than Mary or Joseph, who are astonished at what Simeon says about Jesus. It is clear that God has placed great value on Anna and Simeon, and that he does not think he is wasting the Holy Spirit on two seniors who have passed the prime of life. So I wonder, actually, if there's many of us who feel like we're actually not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not clever enough. We're not strong enough. We're not spiritual enough to be the kind of people that God is calling us to be or wants us to be, to be, to be characters in his story. You know? <laughs> Do you ever feel like you're letting God down? Do you ever feel that your best actually isn't, isn't good enough? 
I wonder how often we, we end up judging ourselves like we judge other people. Uh, we, judge ourselves, we judge other people through outward appearance and, and I wonder if we judge ourselves with the same impossible standard like based on either the things that we've achieved or the things we haven't achieved. Or, or maybe you think you've passed your prime and that, or that you're ruled out for some other reason. There's some, something else that rules you out. And so then we read, but we read these stories of like Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph, Simeon, and Anna, and the list just goes on and on and on. And they, you know, they're all people that would be overlooked. And yet they all share something as well. They all seem to be people who, who are seeking after God. They seem to be people that are, that are trying to follow his ways. Like they're trying to listen to what he says. They seem to be humble people, faithful and, and obedient. Like none of them, none of them would imagine that we'd be talking about them 20,000. 20,000? Shivers. Time has moved on. Yeah, yeah. 2,000 years later. It's been a long sermon, eh? Don't worry, I'm wrapping up now. 20 centuries, that's better, yeah. But you also get the, get the feeling that it really wouldn't have mattered to them. Like they weren't in it for what other people thought about them, eh? They weren't out to impress other people. And, I, and my feeling is, I, I really feel like that the Lord wants to encourage us, encourage us today. If you're, feel, if you're, feeling, if you're feeling weak or, or discouraged or, you, you know, you... you Something else that I've mentioned before, you know, you, you think that you've pa- passed your prime. You've not passed your prime. <laughs> you haven't. You have not passed your prime. You are not a waste of time. The, uh, the angel, when the angel of God was speaking to, to Mary and telling her who she's going to be, who, who she is going to be, he says, the word of God will never fail. And the word of God never does fail. And then she became pregnant with Jesus. And again, like you see these people in the story. I was just thinking about it before. You see the ones who actually prophesy and speak God's truth in these first chapters. You have angels. (laughs) And then then you have Mary, who's probably a teenager. And then you have people like like Zechariah and Simeon and Anna, who, who are who've got their gold pass, who can travel, the, travel on the train for free. But these are people that often, you know, we, put, we often just don't, ah, oh, yeah, we write, maybe we write them off or, um, I don't know, just overlook them somehow, eh? Hey? But God doesn't. God doesn't. When we walk with the Holy Spirit, his, his purposes will be worked out. This is what uh, Paul says in First Corinthians, and this is where I'm going to finish. He says this, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes, or powerful, or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things of the world, consider, chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. (laughs) 
And I think that's so encouraging for all of us. So I just want to also honour uh, honor people in, in our church even today, um, people who fit into that gold pass category. <laughs> right, thank you for being, being with us. Thank you for um, being part of our community. And I actually wondered uh, if you would be... Um, happy to pray for us. Um, I had this um, sort of weird idea um, during worship about um, um, if people who, who want to uh, almost like have, have a word from God this morning, you want to uh, want someone to pray for you and to speak God's promises over you. And I wondered if um, some of our gold pass people might want to um, <laughs> come and come pray for us. <laughs> But shall we, shall we stand and, uh, yeah. Oh, Lord, thank you for the way that you see us. Thank you for the love that you have for us. Lord, I pray that even now you'd speak to our hearts. You'd uh, reveal your love for us, your purposes for us. Would your Holy Spirit come even now. I pray for um, for people who are feeling especially discouraged at the moment. Lord, you'd lift them up. Lord, I pray for people who are feeling especially weak at the moment that you'd strengthen them, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to um, help us to not make quick assumptions about other people as well. Help us to see ourselves through your eyes. Help us to see other people how you might see them, Lord. Please give us give us wisdom, Lord. Lord, uh, just almost like cut off, cut off words that have been spoken over people where people have said they're not good enough or uh, not clever enough or whatever it is. Lord, we break those off in Jesus' name today. Your kingdom come.
You call.